Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later on the program, the European Union-wide farmer protests. New ICSA president, crops advice with Kieran Collins, specialist with Chagask. Also, some other topics. But first in our program, Dairy Gold Chief Executive Conor Galvin to take up new role as our new Chief Executive. Statement issued 7th of February 2024. The Board of Dairy Gold Cooperative Society Limited confirms that its Chief Executive, Conor Galvin, is leaving the society to take up the role of Chief Executive of Arnua. Dairy Gold will now begin the process to recruit and appoint a new Chief Executive. In the interim, Mr Michael Hart, the Society's Chief Financial Officer, CFO, has been appointed Interim Chief Executive with immediate effect to lead the organisation during the transition period. Michael's been CFO at Dairy Gold since 2006 and he also took on the role of Interim Chief Executive in the Society in 2009 during a previous Chief Executive transition. Connor will take up his new role in the coming months and in the meantime he will work with the board and Michael to ensure a smooth and efficient transition. Dairy Gold Chairperson Sean O'Brien paid tribute to Connor and Michael saying, quote, On behalf of the Dairy Gold Board, our general and regional committees, our shareholders and staff, I thank Connor for his commitment and leadership since his appointment as Dairy Gold Chief Executive and the work he has done, including strengthening the value-add and sustainability credentials of the business. We wish Connor every success in his new role in what will be an important and challenging one for our newer and its dairy processing members, including Dairy Gold. Continued strong leadership is needed as dairy farmers and industry face the challenges of consumer lifestyle changes, e-regulation and sustainability. The statement from Dairy Gold chairperson Sean O'Brien went on to say, quote, The board and I are very pleased that we are in a position to appoint someone of the calibre of Michael as interim chief executive. Michael has been a key member of the senior leadership team responsible for driving Dairy Gold's strategic direction. He has managed the strong financial performance of the business through a period of unprecedented transformation and growth while protecting the financial integrity of the society. We are very confident he will ensure a smooth and effective transition in leadership. End of the statement there from Dairy Gold chairperson Mr Sean O'Brien paying tribute to Conor and Michael. Commenting on his career move, Conor Galvin said, quote, While I look forward to the future, I am also deeply grateful to Dairy Gold for the opportunity to lead such a well-respected organisation. It has been a huge honour for me to serve as Chief Executive of Dairy Gold, which continues to be a strong, well-invested and globally competitive business. I pay tribute to everyone involved in Dairy Gold, both farmers and employees, who work together to drive value for the farming families who supplies. I'm very confident that through the continued strength of the business, its shareholders, management and staff, that Dairy Gold will continue to deliver on its strategic growth ambitions 
underpinning sustainable farming for its shareholders. End of that statement there from Mr. Connor Galvin, leaving Dairy Gold as chief executive to take up a new role as the Orua chief executive. Next in the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we look at ploughing results from West Cork. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Caroline, welcome to the programme. You have an update now on events in West Cork ploughing. I do, John, and thank you very much. Last weekend, saw two ploughing matches being held with Kilbritton being held on Sunday and Kilmeen holding their rescheduled match on Monday. The results for, Kil- for Kilbritton are as follows. Senior conventional, first Kieran Copley, 122 marks. Second, Tim Grace, 119 marks. Third, Jer Kirby, 116 marks. The under 28, first Noel Nine, 107. Second, Aidan O'Donovan, 93. Intermediate, first Stanley Dean, 102. Second, David Walsh, 96. And third, Jackie O'Driscoll, with 93 marks. The under 21s, first James Jennings, 106 marks. And second, Jeff Witcherly, with 104 marks. In the Mocra, we had two competitors. First, Ever Pryor, with 85 marks. Second, Keen Harrington, with 83 marks. In the ladies, there was Ellen Nine, who came first, with 108 marks. And second, Katie Hayes, with 104 marks. The standard three fur, first Kevin O'Driscoll, 96 marks, second Matthew Coakley, 94 marks, and third Cyril McGuire, 75 marks. The senior reversible, first Ger Coakley, 122 marks, second Michael Witcherly, 118 marks, and third Liam O'Driscoll with 111 marks. The standard three fur reversible, first Podrick Welch, 112 marks, Second, Ger Lawler, 101 marks. And third, Patrick Buckley with 83 marks. The vintage section with the hydraulic vintage. First, John O'Neill with 92 marks. Second, Ger Collins, 80 marks. Third, Mike Humi with 67 marks. There was one competitor in the trailer vintage and that was John Wolfe with 79 marks. And in the single furrow, there was one also one competitor, Gordon Jennings, with 83 marks. Now, the results for the Kilmeen Prime match, which was held on the Monday... And the senior conventional, first, Kieran Coakley, 123 marks. Second, Johnny O'Donovan, 117 marks. And third, Jim Grace, 116 marks. The intermediate, first, Stanley Dean, 104 marks. And then there was a joint second for with Jackie O'Driscoll and David Walsh with 93 marks. The under 28, Noel Nine, 96 marks. Second, Aidan O'Donovan, 95 marks. And third, Nilo Driscoll, 93 marks. The under 21s, first, Jeff Witcherly, 102 marks. And second, James Jennings, with 95 marks. And in the Mocra, there was one competitor, Keen Harrington, and he got 83 marks. In the ladies, we had first, Ellen Nine, with 98 marks. And second, then, was Katie Hayes, with 91 marks. In the three furrow, we had first, Kevin O'Driscoll, 104 marks. Second, Matthew Coakley, 96 marks. And third, Cyril McGuire, 87 marks. The senior reversible, first, Ger Coakley, 127 marks. Second, Liam O'Driscoll, 120 marks. And third, Mike Switchley, 117 marks. The under 28s, first, Eugene O'Donovan, 100 marks. And second, Flor Switchley, with 90 marks. The three furrow, first, Podrick Walsh, 103 marks. Second, Ger Lawler, 95 marks and third, Patrick Buckley, 
86 marks. In the vintage hydraulic, first, John O'Neill, 102 marks, second, Keen Ryan, with 95 marks, and third, Finney Bennett, with 94 marks. In the trailer vintage, there was one competitor, John O'Neill, with 98 marks, and in the single furrow, Gordon Jennings was the only competitor, with 88 marks. Now, the next ploughing match to be held, that is weather permitting, is Clickock. And that's on tomorrow, Sunday, the 11th of February, on the lands of Charlie and Valerie O'Connell, Barleyfield, Kilbritton. Now, the nearest air quote that we have to the flying field is P75CR68. P72CR68. Entries are to be with Kevin O'Driscoll on 087-620-5894. That number again, 87 5894 by 10am today, Saturday, the 10th of February. And ploughing will commence at 11am sharp. OK, John, that's that. That's fine. Thank you very much indeed for that extensive roundup. Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Quite a long report there. We're afraid uh, the weather might interrupt uh, the events, but in the heel of the hunt, you managed to hold the matches and we have the results there. Caroline, thank you very much indeed. Okay. Thanks a million. Thank you. thank you, John. Next in the programme, the Carberry Region Mockery Firma Report. Hello, this is Laura and I am bringing you the Carberry Mockery News. Congratulations to Kilmeen Mockery who came third in the National Capers Variety Show Final held in Ovens recently. And congratulations to their cast member Evelyn Barry who won Best Actress overall. As this was Kilmeen's first time entering this competition, it was a fantastic achievement. Congratulations to Cora Mocker ladies basketball team who won the All-Ireland final held in Tralee recently. And congratulations also to the Cora men's team who were runners-up in their final. Having won their semi-final in the novice debating competition, Clonical team Mocker now go forward to represent the region in the national final being held in Tipperary. We wish them the very best of luck. Cork County Titles Night will be held in Ahamilla GA Complex on Saturday the 17th of February at 7.30pm. Everyone is welcome to come along to see the contestants vie for the titles of Miss Mokra, Mr Personality and Queen of the Land. So as you can see, Carberry Mokra has something for everyone and we are always looking for new members. There are clubs located from Inishannon to Beira. So if you were between the ages of 17 to 35 and would like to join or know someone who does, have any questions or would like some more information, please contact us through our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. And thank you, Laura. Miss Laura Woods, Radio Officer for the Carberry Region of Mochrana Firma. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Mr Kieran Collins, Crop Specialist, Chagas, Knock Griffin, Middleton in County Cork. First of all, Kieran, welcome to the programme. Now, we've had a difficult autumn this year to plant crops. Did tillage farmers manage to get their crops planted and how have they come through the winter? Yeah, John, as you'll correctly say, it's been a, a very wet period since last July, really. Um, and, you know, we kind of muddled through the harvest, really, and, and look, while yields were affected by the wet weather, it got harvested in the main. Now, there was some, obviously, left that, that couldn't be cut. But I suppose, really, the, the impact was felt in, in October, which is traditionally the month, you know, that we get the autumn crop sown. And the three met stations in Cork actually recorded their highest ever rainfall. That's 
So yeah, look, the the, the amount sown was is, is certainly back, and that has an impact obviously on on on, on the spring now as well. We did um, a survey here in Chagas, and we estimate that there's probably a third of the crops that were intended to be sown weren't sown. So that area would be planned now to be sown in the spring. And I suppose, look, the, there are other consequences of that, which we can come to in a minute in terms of seed availability and stuff like that. But, you know, um, in terms of how the crops came through the winter, I suppose you could say very fair, really, Um because the sowing windows were quite narrow and then, you know, we had a lot of rain and when you get a lot of rain on, on recently sown crops, you get, um, you know, poor poor establishment. And certainly, I think most fields of, of winter cereals in particular, you know, have some missing patches due to, to water staying on fields and stuff. And, you know, we we saw that around Storm Babette and that, you know, where we had unprecedented rainfall. So I suppose, look, that all has had a knock-on, really, in the sense that, our, our autumn plantings are certainly well back um, and look those that are there probably need a bit of, of management this spring really. A lower than normal winter crop area, what would the consequences be of a lower than normal winter crop area and is it just people being anxious but will spring seed be scarce this year would you say? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a double edged thing really because firstly we had a poor harvest so our yields were back. So the yields of those seed crops were, were lower than normal and then the quality wouldn't have been as good. So, you know, the percentage failures of those seed would be would be certainly higher than the previous year of, of harvest twenty two. And I suppose the other angle then is you know, um when it wasn't sown in the autumn, the seed trade would, would estimate or predict say the area that would be sown in, in, in the spring, that wasn't, you know, and that now that's higher than what they would have estimated. Um, so, yeah, we are certainly struggling for cereal seed, particularly spring barley, because spring barley is generally sort of the default crop, if you like, when, you know, when, when autumn cereals aren't sown. So there's certainly a lot of pressure on there. Now, to be fair to the seed trade, they've made a huge effort in importing seed. So, and to try and meet that that's that demand that's there. Now, I suppose we're not mad about imported seed because I suppose we have really, really good standards in Ireland in terms especially in terms of, of grass weeds and that. So, you know, look but it's a kind of a needs must scenario really because, you know, without this imported seed we wouldn't have anything to plant. And like up to twenty five, thirty percent of the spring barley seed this year could actually be imported. So I suppose some of the consequences of that are, look, we'll be dealing with some varieties that we don't have a lot of information on that may or may not have been grown in Ireland before, you know. So it'll it'll certainly be, you know, I would advise growers who end up in sowing imported seed, which a lot will, you know, look to try and get as much information as you can about the varieties and kind of manage them accordingly, really. And of course, ideally, as our sponsor, Dairy Gold, always emphasises, they support uh, native crops, native seed, uh, and just uh, enlightened self-interest. And our sponsor, Dairy Gold, they came out with a forward price for beans of €250 a tonne recently. Are beans a good option for tillage farmers this year, Kieran? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose, you know, that, that forward price from Dairy Gold of €250 Euros a tonne is really helpful because I think once you have a price, you can plan, you know, and you can 
you can look at your margin and see where that margin would be from from beans versus maybe other crops and that. So certainly that's been a big help. I suppose secondly, the protein aid payment is there. So based on seed availability, we're estimating that that will be somewhere in the region of 400 euros per hectare. So again, like that's money that will come to a grower once they plant the crop. So regardless of yield. So I suppose there's certain income security in, in that. But even aside from those financial aspects, I suppose there also then is the benefit of, of growing beans for the rotation. So, you know, they're, they're, a, very, they're a valuable break crop. You don't need any nitrogen, obviously, because they're a legume. And then they reduce the amount of nitrogen that's required in the succeeding crop. So, look, there, there are many benefits to beans. And I suppose even, you know, for the livestock industry, then it's a, it's a native source of protein, which is obviously hugely valuable as well, you know. Now, looking at um, winter crops, and I understand that a winter crops walk has been organised. Could you give us more details of the date and venue for that winter crop walk? Uh, Valentine's Day, 14th. We we seem to hit that date fairly regularly in in Ballyed Around there, just outside outside Fromoy. So most people in the industry would be familiar with it. So... And the day, John, look, I suppose really the winter crops will be the obviously the, 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 the main focus. And I suppose really we'll be turning our attention to managing those crops. You know, as I said earlier on, some of those have suboptimal plant numbers. Um, a lot of crops have maybe missing bits in field. And I suppose we'll be weighing up the decision whether you replant some of these crops or you carry on with them. And, and then when you make the decision to carry on with them, you know, it's a case of uh, how do we manage them and, and, and how we, we, I suppose, use inputs correctly, really, and that. So, so yeah, managing those winter cereals, John, that will be the, the main focus on the day. And to confirm, Ciarán, speaking to Mr Ciarán Collins from Chagas, Chagas Crop Specialist, not Griffin Middleton, and to emphasise that the special winter crop uh, walk, that's actually on Wednesday, 14th of February at 11am, so a very important walk. Now, could you outline to our listeners, uh, even if it means going over the same ground again, what will be covered at this walk taking place at Ballyderown for Moy, Wednesday, 14th, 11am, Ciarán? So Wednesday the 14th. But yeah, it'll, it'll really be in around the management of, of winter crops. As I said earlier, look, the, the area planted is much reduced, but also what is planted, some of it is, is struggling and, and there will be bare patches and fields uh, in fields that may need to be replanted and stuff like that. So we'll be really looking at the management of those winter crops and I suppose really just taking them forward for maybe the next four to six weeks and, and the management decisions that we'll make in, in, in that time frame. That's fine. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Kieran Collins, Crop Specialist, Chagas Knock, Griffin Middleton, County Cork. And separately in our programme, we'll be reminding listeners about the new part-time Green Cert course starting spring of this year between uh, Mallow and Fomoy Chagas offices covering all of the north and east uh, Cork area. That'll be later in our programme, separate from our interview. But in the meantime, Kieran, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Noel, welcome to the programme. Now, in this week's journal, you have been talking about the recent farmer protests which have been sweeping across Europe with more to come. Can you point to any tangible achievements, any tangible achievements for farmers? 
Thanks for having me on, John. So I suppose first and foremost, what, what a lot of those protesting might say has been the most obvious impact of the protests is bringing farmer issues into kind of the spotlight in national media. Now, your own show, your own listeners will be very in tune with the, the issues that crop up week on week for Irish farmers. But a lot of people in the general public, they might not necessarily be tuned into farming media, into they might not be reading the like the, the Farmer's Journal or tuned into your own programme. So I suppose the farmers are saying that it, it really has kind of made people, the general public, kind of stand up and, and say, OK, what are farmers complaining about here? What are they not happy with? So I suppose that, that might be the first impact. And secondly, there has been some bit of a response so far from the European Commission and by some governments across Europe to the protests. So I suppose... Brussels and Belgium saw some of the biggest protests um, over the past week, 10 days. So it would have been last week, um, on last Thursday and Friday, that around over 1,000 tractors went right to the heart of Brussels' EU quarter and farmers blocked traffic there and the, the centre of the protests was the European Parliament. Now, the European heads of state had all been meeting in Brussels at the time and the the farming organisations in the Netherlands and in Belgium, as well as kind of across EU farming organisations. So they, they would have sat down with the European Commission's president, Ursula von der Leyen, and they were able to relay farmers' concerns across on this uh, bilateral meeting. I suppose since the, the European Commission has announced some moves to try and make things a little bit easier for farmers, so... Um, Ursula von der Leyen did announce that the European Commission is going to come forward with a proposal to try and simplify the, the administrative burden on farmers. That's the language that, that was used. So I suppose what this means is that your farmer listeners would be very in tune with all the rules and regulations that they have to follow. And there's so much paperwork in, in to do with farming nowadays and with schemes. So the Commission has said they're going to try and take a look at it and see how some of this paperwork can be taken out of the picture. If we were to look then at other countries which saw quite large farmer protests, Germany, for instance, one of the main issues coming up there was this, the, the, the excise relief on their equivalent of green diesel was removed. So essentially farmers would have been paying the same sort of tax on agricultural diesel as normal road users would be paying on clear diesel. And it does look like the German government may go back on these plans to, to scrap that relief there, which did save farmers quite a lot of money in Germany. Um, I suppose then if we look at some of the other countries, um, they, these countries themselves are now pushing on the European Commission to, to hear their farmers' concerns. So I suppose in terms of tangible impact, there hasn't been quite a lot so far in terms of uh, any relaxation of rules or regulations or further funding brought forward. Um, but it, it did definitely put both national governments and the EU more in tune with farmers' concerns and with the issues that took farmers to the streets. The IFA, Ireland's largest uh, farming organisation, the IFA has been very much to the fore in coordinating very extensive uh, protests in Ireland and uh, taking part in the protests on the continent. So the IFA, bearing in mind we're a small country but very dependent on agriculture as an important industry, the IFA have uh, played a role, I would say. Yeah, so I suppose it was last Thursday that some of your listeners might have saw tractors around the country 
there was quite a lot of videos on social media where a couple of thousand tractors turned out to protest. And the IFA had only called the, the protest the, the night before, so it was quite a strong response. Um, and essentially the IFA was protesting on last week to show solidarity with farmers in France and Germany and Poland and in Belgium where, where they had been taken to the streets in large numbers. So it was really a show of solidarity. But I suppose a lot of the issues that are facing farmers in Ireland are very similar to the ones facing farmers in other countries. So time and time again, if you were to interview a farmer in Cork or a farmer in a farmer on the streets in Berlin, but the issues that they'd be raising would be that the I suppose you could say the slew of environmental regulations that they're facing at the minute, the uncertainty that's there as to what new regulations will come in in the future, concerns that the cap budget and the budget for all the farm schemes are being eroded by inflation, um, and then just general anger over the levels of paperwork and red tape involved in just going about their daily business of farming. So I suppose the IFA, their concerns would be quite similar to farmers across the EU, and it was in solidarity with these other farmers that they organised this, this protest last week. In the future, might farmers be called on to make sacrifices in terms of opening up our Marcus to Mercosur beef, that's the beef sector, tillage people, we don't talk about it too much or want to highlight it too much, but Ukrainian imports, if we open up uh, the European Union to Ukrainian imports, may end up uh, harming EU agriculture. I know the French certainly have been highlighting the impact of Mercosur trade and uh, potential problems with imports from the Ukraine. So I suppose, first of all, when it comes to Ukraine, um, over the past couple of years, the vast majority of agri-food exports that, that leave Ukraine and come into the EU, they don't have any tariffs applied and there isn't quotas applied either. Now, I suppose the member states that this would affect most heavily would be those in Central and Eastern Europe, um, particularly the ones that would share a border with Ukraine. And we saw last week um, the the largest Polish farming organisation and the, the farmers associated with the, the, the Workers' Union Solidarity have said that they're going to um, kind of embark on a, a one-month-long campaign of blocking border posts along um, along the border between Poland and Ukraine. And their concerns primarily relate to just the sheer volume of um, goods coming across the border. So Ukraine would be a very significant player in global agriculture, particularly on the tillage side of things. There's huge grain-producing regions, and the farms are very large in size. So there are concerns there as to the impact that this um, kind of quota-free um, influx of grain could have on the EU's own grain markets and the margins that might be left for farmers afterwards. Um, I suppose then you raised another point, Mercosur, and this is one which would be perhaps bigger for Irish farmers, the, the prospect of um, beef from South America in particular um, arriving on the EU's shores. It can be produced fairly cheaply over in Brazil, but not to the same standards uh, as we have here in Ireland or right across the EU. So Mercosur is definitely a concern that's popping up among farmers. Um, and we saw even only two weeks ago 
the European Commissioner for Trade had suggested that um, there, there might be a chance of getting a, a Mercosur deal across the line before the end of the summer. Um, now, I was speaking to Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell on Thursday, and he said that he doesn't see that there's much of a prospect of the Mercosur deal getting across the line. And essentially, this all comes down to the standards, the food safety standards and the environmental standards. Um, that, that has been the main kind of stopping block in these Mercosur negotiations. And he doesn't see um, the Mercosur countries um, agreeing or being able to meet the standards that the EU would require of them um, in a Mercosur trade deal. So there's quite a lot of uncertainty there on both parts, but um, I suppose with regard to the imports of grain and from Ukraine, it definitely has caused some farmer frustration, um, more so along the, the Eastern European members of uh, the EU. Easing of controls on the use of certain pesticides and herbicides following the farmer protests, this could cause dismay amongst uh, consumers, the customers, people buying food and indeed the environmentalists. But how do we fare in Ireland in terms of measuring up to the targets to reduce the use of pesticides? Um, well, I suppose one point to note on, on the whole subject would be that um, there are EU targets for uh, pesticide reduction, 2030 targets, and Ireland is fairly well meeting our 2030 targets. This would have been based on data from between 2017 and 2019. So if we're talking about Ireland specifically, Irish farmers are already getting more efficient with their use of these um, chemical inputs. Um, and they are also looking for the alternatives. And I suppose the farmer concerns um, with regards to just banning something outright would be that there wouldn't be um, an alternative in place. So I suppose this is where the research side of it comes in. And if there is an alternative there that is equally effective, um, farmers will always go, go for it. Um, so I suppose it really comes down to the research um, but farmers definitely have already started making moves and they have made moves um, to reduce their use of these um, pesticides. But if we were to go back to something like Mercosur, you mentioned that there might be you know, a bit of a divide between farmers and environmentalists. But when it does come to this issue of Mercosur, there is generally agreement between farmers and environmentalists that um, the, the standards in South America just... Um, are, are, are so much lower than our own that the deal shouldn't go through. So that is just an interesting point to note that um, although there are these disagreements on, on certain issues, when, when it does come to trade in particular with South America, um, the farmers and the environmentalists can often be on much the, the same page. But thank you very much indeed, Noel, for everything. Mr Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Noel, very much indeed. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by the new Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President, Mr Sean McNamara. First of all, Sean, welcome to the programme. And you probably have a very long list of priorities which you'll have to work through and under increasing pressure as a farm leader. Before we begin our main conversation, I would like to say congratulations on behalf of the programme on achieving this uh, very high office. And I understand it was an arrangement with the outgoing president, Dermot Keller, Mr Dermot Keller, 
that you would uh, share the office, but you're in power now. So a word or two, just perhaps of appreciation for the outgoing president, the very active uh, Dermot Kelleher. Well, def- definitely, Dermot done a lot of work for farmers behind the scenes that no one knew anything about. Like, Dermot was very fair. He worked hard on the ground, and um, I wish him the best look at his retirement as ICT president. Like, no one... No one realizes the amount of work ICT presidents or even ICT chairman do for being uh, behind the scenes. Of course. Now, could I just ask you to clarify for our listeners what type of farming enterprise or mixed enterprise are you involved in and what part of the country are you in? Because we're speaking to Cork listeners, but of course, we know there are very important farms right throughout the island of Ireland, north and south. I am at both sheep. We keep a breeding flock of yours. We're at Suckler and we finish that. We're at beef. So we are at the three sections that's involved in farming. So that's where we're at. And we're on the, well, a, place, a little place called Lisby Carpenter is in the Westmead, down for Bordering, in the middle of nowhere, I'd say. Now, of course, you have a primary interest. You have a very important interest in sheep. But I'm sure you're thoroughly a fay with the other types of farmers involved in the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, and you will be very, very careful to make sure the interests of all your members, regardless of the branch of livestock they're into, make sure their, their achievements will match up with some of the problems farmers have, because we know you won't solve all the problems. If I had to pin you to, a, say, to list um, four or five of the main priorities you have coming into office as National President of ICSA, Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmer Association, Sean? Yeah, my main priority is a viable income uh, for, for farmers for the product prices. And I want to see support schemes that work for farmers, not these support schemes that come along and the paper paperwork we have to pay, uh, planners and everything to do. I want to see a simple support scheme for farmers. Um, we want to see the right balance between food security and sustainability. And we want to see dignity. That's what I want to see. And I see an appreciation for farmers and improving their mental health, which is a serious issue with farmers at the moment, is mental health. And one, another thing I want to see is land property and carbon rights. And then I want to see progress on animal diseases, especially in TB and BVD, because it's there's a world of TB out there at the moment and we have to try and get something done about it because there's an awful lot of farmers getting locked up. It's like farmers in serious situation are able to sell stock and everything. There will be other areas including price and even local small abattoirs, transparency right. in the food chain. And we're, we've been promised for so long a food regulator who will make sure there's um, fairness in the food chain. But if I had to say to you, guided by the five pillars you mentioned, you're also committed to the following. You might outline those items, beginning, of course, with ensuring guaranteed fair prices. Yeah, well, I want to see guaranteed fair prices. I also, like it says, I also want to see the abattoirs, um, not, these small abattoirs not being closed down. A lot of them are under serious problems with the Department of Agriculture, uh, council and everything, and they just come in and they just close down. We don't want to see that. Whatever chance we have is to keep these small abattoirs open because they keep competition in the market. Like, and uh, another thing I would like to see is more. I know there's, there's no only one in this country. Like, it's mobile abattoirs up and running too, where farmers can kill their own product 
or get someone to kill their own potter and sell it, sell it from their own home or wherever they want to sell it from, farmers' markets or whatever they want to sell it from. I also want to see, another thing I forgot about there, is young farmers. I want to see a young generation of farmers coming into farming. At the moment, there's no viable living there for young farmers. So, in fact, even around myself now, a lot of young farmers are going away to Australia, they're going to New Zealand, they're going everywhere, just for the simple reason they're not able to make a viable living out. And like, like we said, you have the father there and you have the son there, and there's not an income for two of them, and it's definitely not an income for, even for one. But if a young lad goes to build a house now, for example, and he goes for a loan to the bank, and he's farming, he will not get the loan without having a job. And this is a big problem in farming at the moment. Now, again, we've been promised an agri-food regulator to you know, promote transparency in the food chain because you do have the feeling amongst farmers that the person who just handles the food gets a higher cut, gets more money than the farmer who produces the raw material, the primary product. So an agri-food regulator with real teeth, so to speak. Yeah, well, that's what we really need is an agri-food regulator with real teeth. We haven't seen the teeth yet. We've heard them talking and they're talking about the gang coming along and uh, go after people selling below the cost of production or the co- or cost, below cost price selling. And um, like I says all along, and I'm saying it all along, at seven euros a kilo is break even for lambs. At six euros a kilo is break even for beef. So at the moment, farmers are just about maybe breaking even but they have no profit out of it. That's the biggest problem. We need to see. Like, I've been out abroad in different countries. Um, I've seen Irish lamb and Irish sirloin steak sold as high as 75 euros a kilo. So there's someone in between making the money, and I what it is, whether it's the factories, the, pers- the retailer, or who's making the money, but or the person in between, and who's making the money. But the farmers are definitely not getting the fair share of the market return, and that is the big problem at the moment. And, like, if we continue this, and I reckon in four or five years' time, we'll have a serious issue with food security in Europe. Talking about the entry of younger, newer, younger, enthusiastic uh, farmers into the industry, there is a fairly high age profile amongst Irish farmers, and that's all the more important that forms and terms should be uncomplicated, because often looking at the bureaucracy involved in applying for even the simplest of things, this uh, foxes people who are not used to dealing with uh, intricate computers. No, well, like, there's none of us I'm getting, well, not getting on, but I'm a fair age, and I never was, I know nothing about computers. My young one says the computer work here for me, my planner. There's no way I could do it. And like I says, if I make a mistake, I'm penalised. But the department, I'm not giving out about the department, but the department makes a mistake. It's an error. That's the big thing. So I think there should be a lot of this taken off the computers. Uh, a lot of this work should be simple. Like we say, we have a suckler scheme. It was simple a lot of years ago. You come along, you have 50 suckler cows. You do your grant. You had to be in skip and you had to be in board beer. You just got your grant. And that's the way it wants to return for farmers. Just simple, because a lot of farmers are getting older. They're getting into 60s, 70s. In fact, the average age of farmers at the moment is 61 years of age, which is serious. And like me and a 61 years of age, calving cows, lambing yours, so can't be done. And it's a, it's, a, it's a big cause of farm accidents at the moment. And Sean, the SCEP scheme, Suckler Carbon Efficiency Programme, you would like to see a more balanced approach to SCEP and you address farmers' concerns about changes to the highly controversial ICBF ratings. Yeah, we're not happy at all with ITBF ratings. As farmers, like, I've been suckling myself, and I won't deny it. I keep fair good quality cows, top quality cows, 
I gave about eight of them. And I have, I was look, my young lad was looking at the stars the other day, and all I have is 12 cows with stars. Now, I, I couldn't go into the skeptic scheme because it just wouldn't work. But as far as I can see, all the skeptic scheme is for uh, Angus cattle. That's the way I look at for ICBF figures. It's the zoo Angus cattle. It's not to suit these continental cattle. I think most of us wearing these continental cattle. Send them as winners or whatever we do with them. And they're going to top markets in Italy and they're worth serious money for an export trade. So we're, we're getting this, we're getting our, our we say, our circular scheme money and the price for a win. And that's what we're getting. So we're not bothering our heads with, with the circular scheme at the moment. And Sean, we know there's a limit in every department in the government. There's a limit to expenditure. But if we are so keen about uh, the environment and conservation and biodiversity, the acre scheme, I think you would uh, like to see the cap on acres applicants lifted to accommodate more farmers because, after all, they'll be supporting environmental conservation and producing that regular, guaranteed, healthy food, healthy wholesome, nutritious food for the, the consumer. So lift the cap on acres applications. That is true, John. And I used to say 40 again as many as they could, but like you said, they were cut off there. Like, there's an awful lot of farmers who couldn't get into acres for the simple reason it was just cut off at a certain point and they couldn't get into it. And it's totally wrong. Every farmer should be allowed into acres. It doesn't matter if he wants to get into acres because it's good for the environment, like you said, it's good for everything else. Every farmer should be allowed in. It should be a lot more, raised a lot higher. Uh, put another few pound into it's not going to break the bank for the government or anyone else but another few pounds in and get get all farmers out to get the acres into it that's the way they can now you're not anti-EU green deal etc but nonetheless you do ask people to reflect and think if the European Union permits the importation of any beef from Brazil or the Mercosur countries where forests traditionally have been burnt down wastefully to produce beef. But you would see the need to control imports connected with the Mercosur deal or even into the future to be aware that if the Ukraine comes into the European Union, we have to be aware of the reason for the common markets being set up initially to protect European farmers. That is true, John. Like we said the night of the day, like bringing in this food from, uh, bringing all this imported food into into Europe is totally wrong. The simple reason why it's doing it is coming along and it's driving down the price to European farmers. And it's even European farmers with no viable income out of farm. Uh, we say that covered the cost of production and it's putting European farmers out of farming. That's what's happening. Like every country, uh, like the farmers have turned, like a lot of farmers have gone up for sale. Uh, there's minimum businesses and everything buying. And I can see, we say in a lot of years, all you can see is probably feedlots in Ireland. There may be corporations owning farms. That's the way it's looking like at the moment. Like the, small, the smaller farmer will go, like the family farm will go. And that's a big thing at the moment. Thank you very much indeed for your very valuable time, incoming National President of ICSA, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, President Sean McNamara, replacing outgoing President Corkman Dermot Keller. Sean, thank you very much indeed, and we wish you all the best with your big, big task, with your long list of requirements, and hopefully you'll keep uh, most, if not all, of your members happy. Sean, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Yeah, quite right, John. Lovely to be on your show, and thanks very much for having me on. You're very welcome indeed. Thank you, Sean. 
Listeners are reminded that the new part-time Green Cert course is starting this spring, 2024, between Mallow and Fomoy Chagask offices, covering all of the North and East Cork area. Further information available from Ms. Nori Norahali in Chagask at the following number, 87 657 That's 087-657-2262 or from your local Chagask office. The new part-time Green Cert course starting this spring. The course is accredited by QQL Level 5 and 6. Apart from gaining all the agricultural foundation knowledge, practical technical skills and knowledge, the Green Cert is required for young farmer stamp duty relief and farm succession and many other benefits. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to everyone who contributed to our programme. To the guests, to Barry O'Mahony, Head of News, 96FM and C103. To Marie Tuig, 96FM and C103, news reporter and news reader and creator of the regular Farm Talk podcasts which appear on C103 homepage. The Farm Talk programme, Saturday mornings, 7am to 8am and Wednesday evenings, 10pm to 11pm. Thank you for tuning in. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.